Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right. So how do you know if you are living out God's calling in your life? How do you know that you are where you're supposed to be doing what God made you to do? How do you know that you're not just like, hey, on my own doing my like nine to five or the rest of my life thing, like kind of out on my own. And then I'll, I'll, you know, God comes in on my Wednesday night group or Sunday morning, and that's when I get in touch with God. But then I go back out and I, I do my natural, regular life. Like, how do you, how do you know that God is just is through and through in the middle of everything you're doing? How do you know that you're where you're supposed to be or when that season shifts that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? How? Okay. Yes. 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 How do you know that your wife tells you the right thing? How do you know? Because I know we want to follow God's plans for our lives. We want this. We want to know that we are not running aimlessly. Like Paul says in first Corinthians nine, he's like, listen, everybody's running a race. Like you are running a race, whether you are aware of what race you're running or not. Hey, if you're going to run, run in the way to get the prize, right? Like a hand up there. If I'm going to sweat, I want the prize, right? Like I get it. Like this is what we long for. And so um, I want to share just my discovery on God's calling for my life. And, and I, I, w- I hope to answer some questions for you. I hope to look at some scripture and put some things in place for you to be able to go, okay, I think I, I get it. This is a clear picture how I follow God's calling in my life. Well, for me, I would say that I discovered God's calling It was a process. I would say it was gradual. It was a step at a time and really a lot of the journey um, began back just you can start catching like glimmers of it in, you know, like young age and, and the way I was and who, you know, what I love to do. But really for me, I believe that the process really began when Kevin and I were just married and we found a church that we really loved in Elgin, the Elgin Vineyard. And um, we just had this desire to be with people our age, other believers, like-minded people our age. And we looked around and there was no gathering. There were a bunch of people our age, but no gathering for them. So we just were like, hey, let's just start a group. Let's start hanging out on a Friday night. And we loved, we had a passion for the word. We had a passion for Jesus. And so it was really easy to be like, well, we can organize people and then we could talk about the Bible and we can pray for each other. Like it just felt like really natural. And we started um, just faithfully just with this group of people that we loved to be with in the word together, praying for each other. And that just led to a few more leadership opportunities in that church. And um, mostly those were presented to Kevin, but us together, and we just would say yes. And Kevin started, they gave him the opportunity to preach a little bit. And he was really good at it. And they would, were kind of just leaning into that part of his gifting. But then um, at one point it was like, well, hey, the next step, why don't you do an internship? And we were like, okay, sure, easy internship, right? Um, and then the door opened where they were like, well, why don't you just come on staff? But just but next little step over, right? Come on staff as an associate pastor. And it was a career change, but it just felt right. It just felt like, yes, this is, this is what's next. And um, doors continued to open for Kevin. It was really interesting as doors were opening for him. I had a lot of passion for ministry, but doors were closing for me. And in that moment, it felt like a, a loss and it felt like, um, you know, that, that this was not God's plan. But now looking back, I can go, actually, the door, those doors that were closing for me, actually, it was, it was God's grace. It was his good plans. I could stay home 
and be with our kids, which was actually really uh, my calling and part of my actual desire of my heart if I wasn't even completely in touch with it at that point. But doors were opening for Kevin, and, and so I was able to come alongside. He was associate pastor taking youth, and we were doing young adults and kind of any opportunities we could healing ministry and I was a support role and, and we continued and we just thought we were good. This is it forever. Like, you know, people would be like, are you going to church plant? And we were like, no <laughs> church plant. No, you know, like it didn't even cross our minds. And I would say until one day when um, it actually coincided with when Anna, my youngest went to all day kindergarten. The only way I can describe it is like that scene in Mary Poppins. You know when the wind changes and the wind moves that weather vane, right? And and she's like, she's like, time to go. Like there's just this shift in the air. And I could sense there was a shift in the air. And God led through a couple different ways. But one of them was I had a series of dreams. And uh, this is one of the ways that God speaks to me. And in my dreams, I was moving and we knew we were moving. It was like I could sense. I was like, oh, man, I think it's time to start like putting some bags together for goodwill because I can just sense something's coming. Um, and so we just were any and every opportunity where someone was like offering prayer, I would run, you know, like, you know how there's people up here at the end of the service for prayer. I was like every Sunday I was up there just leaning into like, okay, like the prophetic, what God might be saying through people. And then we sought wise counsel. We just sought trusted leaders, people in our life that we could say, we're sensing some shift and maybe could it be this and could it be this? And then we just brought our lives before wise people, older people who had been farther along. We sought the Lord in prayer and, and fasting and asking for clarity and understanding. And I would say it was about a six month process of just starting to hear this. Maybe it's a new church. Maybe it's uh, planting your own church. And we uh, would just, we're leaning into that. And I would say after about six month process at the end of six months, Kevin, and I could say like, yes, we a hundred percent sure that this is what God is saying to us through all these, these ways of leaning in. It was just across the board. I would say green light, green light, green light, right? Green light go. And so, um, so at that point we just knew like, okay, we're going to start a church. And so we were like, well, where, where do we start a church? You know, like, where do you want us to go, God? And so again, like fasting and prayer, but we actually went to a bunch of neighboring towns and in, in this area and, and all kind of over the suburbs because we knew we wanted to stay in the suburbs. And we, again, were praying and fasting. We would come to the towns and we would go on prayer walks and we would go out to dinner. And um, in fact, one really funny moment, we came and we were at a pizza place here in Palatine having pizza. And we were just talking to somebody in the lobby. And we were like, well, we're thinking about church planting. When usually you say church planting, people look at you like, how do you like planting? Like, it's like a weird word, right? But we were telling them we were, we were thinking about starting our own church in Palatine. And the person looked at us and goes, yes, you should, you should start a church in Palatine. I will come to your church. Yes, come to Palatine. It was so funny. We're in a pizza place, you know, and like someone's like, yes, you should do that here in Palatine. So, um, so we just, we just were sensing that the Lord was again single and we never really got a clear for, I'd say for Kevin and I in that discernment process, Palatine just rose in our hearts as a place, place we wanted to live, that we wanted to raise our kids, that we wanted to be in the community. 
And so here we are 13 years later. We started in our living room. I know this time, 13 years, funny. Every time I see Street Fest, Street Fest was like our first week. Remember that first week here? And we're like days, like looking around, like walking around, like this is our new community. So 13 years ago in our living room, the handful of people. And, um, and that was kind of our calling, our journey, our process of understanding what God had for us. And, uh, and I get to say with complete confidence, we're still here. We're still really very confident. This is where we're supposed to be. So yes. So that was my journey towards God's destiny. And maybe you're like, great for you, but you know what, Molly, my dreams at night, they're only about like cats and grocery shopping, right? And my final exams that I'm unprepared for, like that's not, no, that's not happy with me. So how do I know what God has called me to do? Well, can I sort through some questions by looking at a story in the scripture? Here's the background to the story. In this moment, um, Israel has um, been established as their own nation. God gave them um, the the promised land and he set up for them. I'm going to be your God, your king, and you're going to take this territory. You're going to, you're going to set up life here. I'm going to keep you from your enemies. It's going to be a great life. You're going to prosper here. They, They were set up to live, to thrive as their own nation. And Israel looked around at all the neighboring Um, nations and all of them had an earthly king and they looked at what everyone else had and they said we want one of those too we want a king too and they rejected God as king and they they demanded their own earthly king in God's place and God uh, sent Samuel this prophet to go anoint Saul and to put him install him as their first king on this earth and so Saul Rebs went to represent God's rule and uh, rule for him on the earth for his people. And pretty quickly, Saul blew it. Um, it was rebellious, didn't follow God's instructions all the way. His heart had turned. And so God in this moment, um, Saul, I'm going to take Saul off the throne. I'm going to put the next king in its place. So now he's sending Samuel out to put the next king in Saul's place. And so that's where we pick up the story. And this is in first Samuel 16, 16. So I'm going to read in my Bible. Hello, tiny print. My eyes are being naughty as I'm getting near 15. Ah. Okay. I had to step back. All right, here we go. I'm going to read here and you can read along on the screen. Okay. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked, do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, 
Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse um, summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. All right, so let's take this apart a little bit. What can we learn about God's calling from this story? Well, here is the first thing that I want us to see. The first important thing, God was in charge. That God was in charge. That the people demanded a king instead of God. And they, they demanded this king and he picked Saul as their first king. And Saul, you know, you would think that he would be able to stand like, okay, this is serious. God made me king. I'm going to do right. I'm going to follow God's ways. But Saul blows it. And then God decides when Saul's kingship, when that page turns, when that thing is over, And then God decides who is going to be the following king in his place. God is directing and God is deciding all along the way that he has, God has a choice for a king. That even though this wasn't his original plan for, for Israel, right? That, that this was God's choice. That even, um, uh, I, I love how God was like, even if you just, offer me your seven sons, right? Like we can offer God. We can say here, would you like this plan, this plan or this plan, God, right? And he had seven sons saying, God is like, no, not even the best that man can offer me. Like I have someone besides the options you give me that you put in front of me. I actually have someone beyond that, that God was in absolute control. Even in a situation that seems like man is just taking over, in so many ways, this whole, if you look at this situation from like the top down, the, uh, uh, the highest level you can, it looks like almost like a runaway train of disaster. That thing is just off the tracks, right? Like from it's one bad choice, one disastrous situation after another. But yet, even though in the, in the middle of all of that mess, God is still directing. He is still in charge. He is still working behind the scenes to bring about his plans and his purposes, that he is still directing the affairs on the earth. And no matter how, from our perspective, how like wrong they seem to be, right? And maybe you carry some fear and you struggle with this, this reality of like, you know what? I, I believe I've made some mistakes. I've, I've made too many mistakes. I have missed the will of God. I turned left when I should have turned right. And now I will never get back to what God has for us. Maybe we just think I am, I am disqualified and God's destiny. It is no longer an option. Right? We do this, don't we? And we think, I too, like the domino, the disaster dominoes have been set in place and there is no putting those puppies back, right? Like so much relief in the truth 
that in this situation, we can see, no, God was actually still in charge. He was still calling the shots. He was still directing. And even when we are unaware, like the Israelites, again, it, they, it felt to them like we're making decisions here. Even in that moment, that we're unaware of the big picture of what's actually happening. God is directing. His hand is still able to move that, that train that feels like it is a runaway train. And maybe you think that someone else is in the way of God's plan for your life. I did in my story. I thought there was a leader who was, was, he was in the way of God's plans for my life in that moment. Maybe you think there is a Saul in my way, a boss, an ex, a a spouse. I I don't know. I, I, friend, someone that we just cannot see beyond this barrier, that this Saul seems very permanent, They're not going anywhere. They like the throne they're on, right? And they're not going anywhere. Maybe we just feel like uh, maybe our Saul is a situation or a sickness or a, a circumstance. It just seems to be like such a barrier. And there is no way that we can get over that thing to get to the other side, to the destiny that God has for us. Well, here's some absolute peace from this scripture, Proverbs 21, 1. It says this. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. I love that image. Like even that you guys, we think about our government. We think about people like, I, I know, I, I, I know there's a balance here, but sometimes we think we'll never, we'll never be able to experience revival or God's glory on this earth because of these people who are leading or these people who are in charge. Listen, the king The king's heart is a stream of water in the Lord's hand and he channels, he directs that thing, right? This is an ultimate truth. And we have to go, okay, this actually, this is what we stand on, not what we see with our natural eyes. God is working beyond whatever is standing in front of you too. Just like he was with David and just like he was with Saul. Or this, I love this scripture. This is at the end of Job's life. This is the very end of the chapter when he has experienced devastation and he's seen God move in the midst of his circumstance, sickness, all the things that would be in the way. This is what he says. He says this, I'm convinced. I want us to get convinced. I'm convinced this is about God. You can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. Thank you, message version. I love this. This is in my language. This is something that I can be convinced of and I can repeat. You can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. Man, we need to get this deep, deep, deep into our hearts and stand on this thing. And then lastly, this is God to Abraham. God appears to Abraham and Sarah. And even though their bodies are way, way worn out and way beyond the possibility of having children, God says to them, I'm going to come back. You're going to have this baby. And Sarah laughs at the, how ridiculous this statement was. And this is what the Lord says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can we have these things locked and loaded? And these are just our quick responses. When we feel that barrier, when we start feeling despair and discouragement, is anything too hard for the Lord? All right. You are not the exception. You, your life, your circumstances, not the exception to what we see. These, the truth is things that people have experienced, a history that we get to stand on. Don't put your life outside of how we see the truth of God working here. Don't, this was, this is old covenant. If he was that good to Israel, how much more for us today, guys, on the other side of Jesus. So here's lesson one. God is in charge and works beyond the circumstances in your life 
to bring about his plans. <sighs> Selah. <laughs> Can we Selah a moment? Ooh, we got to stay there. All right. That's the first lesson. Second thing is this. God sometimes chooses the unlikely. God sometimes chooses the unlikely. God told Samuel, listen, the next king is in Jesse's family. And I love how God, he could have exactly, he could have said David, right? He could have named him right then. He's a prophet. He can hear from God. You know, I love how like God was, was kind of like, go to this family and we'll, we'll see what unfolds, right? And so he shows up in Samuel who hears from God. He sees all seven sons and he's like, one of them is here, you know? And he's like, no, not even, not even in the room, right? So, Samuel is like looking at these sons. Yep. One of these is going to be the king, but the God didn't choose any of them. None of the obvious ones who are standing in front of him. And Samuel finds out, okay, there's a youngest son. And this youngest son wasn't even worthy enough, important enough to even be brought to the sacrifice. I mean, this is a big family moment. The prophet of God is here and invited us to the sacrifice. And David is out with the sheep. Like most wealthy families had servants to do the sheep, but not David's family. And so he is out with the sheep. He's not even in the room. He's not even considered valuable enough to be in the room. The seven sons have like, you know, edged him out. So when you think about your calling, you are probably an unlikely choice too. You probably are. You're probably an unlikely choice to carry God's anointing, his wisdom, his power, his voice, whatever it may be to represent him some in some way to someone. You are probably an unlikely choice too. I love the truth of this. Don't talk yourself out of it because yeah, just embrace the fact that you're unlikely to do that thing. So where do you discount yourself for the lineup? Where? Where do you not even show up to the room for the choice? Maybe you're like, I am an unlikely person to carry God's peace in my home because I came from a lot of chaos and a, a lot of dis dysfunction. So probably not, probably not in my home. Maybe, um, maybe you feel like you're an unlikely choice to carry the anointing of like the impossible side of God because you think, well, I'm just a logical scientific thinker, right? I'm just too rational to lean. I hear people talk about how faith, it's just too far. It's just too far. Cause I just, my mind doesn't work that way. Right? Maybe you're an unlikely choice to be an evangelist because you get embarrassed or you're like an introvert. You know, for me, I, I was like such an unlikely choice to preach. I hated speaking in front of people, like hated it. I remember in junior high in speech class having, I remember being in the bathroom and I was just like sick. Like I can't get out of this bathroom stall and go face that class. Like I, I hate, I hated it for a long time. I, I don't know. I still, I'm not that I hate it. I just. Okay. You guys know me in words, right? You know me in words. Okay. So here's the deal. You guys lean in to your unlikeliness, please lean into your unlikeliness. I'm unlikely too, right? Like, I think it's a beautiful thing to lean into it because sometimes God chooses the unlikely and it gets me a little excited too. When we look at people around us, because I, I want you to start seeing unlikely in people around you and then get a little excited. Like, oh, that's unlikeliness. Like, I wonder what God's going to do in their unlikeliness. Like for, for us, like maybe it's, maybe it's our kids or it's our neighbors or someone we, we work with, right? Like 
sometimes do you hear people talk and you, you automatically put them into a never for them, right? Like, okay, we're never going to go there with them. Like, let's just start seeing unlikely in people around us and get a little excited. Like, oh, this is like all kind of ground of unlikeliness, like David too, right? Let's get a little bit excited about that. Okay. All right. That's the second lesson. God's plans overcome any unlikeliness in your life. That's what his plans are like. All right. Third, God values the heart. God values the heart. God is always drawn inward. This is what it says in verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God doesn't focus on what we focus on as a people. Guys, it doesn't focus on what we focus on as a culture, what we celebrate, what we reward, what we honor, what we like put up, right? And it is easy to look at people in the natural and instantly put that into a spirit equated to something in the spiritual. And that isn't how God works. He values the heart, which is undetectable to the human eye. It is, it is. I wrote this. God chooses us by our heart condition, not our hair condition. God chooses us by the depth of our heart, not the depth of our references. God chooses us by the longing of our heart, not the long list of talents. God chooses us by the song of our heart and not the skill of our hands. This is what God, this is what God has eyes to see guys. This is what he has eyes to see. And so what I love about this is this gives us insight onto exactly where we are going to spend our time and our energy. Doesn't it like this just helps us shift back to the priorities. The priorities of God get to become the priority, my priorities on this earth. And Kevin and I, uh, we go for these walks often and we've been talking recently about setting our day and starting our day with the most. Okay. These are the most important things that I am going to do today. Like just right from the very beginning, the connection with God, the connection with Kevin, the connection with my kids. These are the things that I am going to guard with everything I have, where I'm going to put all of my effort is what is possible in my heart today. What is possible And so I want us to prioritize our heart because I know that the world will always get us to try to up our skills game, right? It's going to always like, hey, focus on your money, do great things, success. They're all less important than the condition of my heart that is just in love, right? With the, the lover of my soul, captivated again, captivated again by who he is, then I I believe that the possibility of what God will do in our lives, it's not limited by your position or your possessions or your skills or your training or your hard work, all of those things. I want us to think about all the things that we tend to rely on, that we tend to answer to. And then I want us to just repent and go, oh, I see, I see God, all you want, all you're looking at is my heart. And I can do my heart. I can prioritize my heart connection with God. I can be a man or a woman after God's own heart anywhere, anytime, in any circumstance. Guys, it's like green eggs and ham. You can do it anywhere, anytime. Your heart can be found alive in love, awakened to his character, his nature, his brilliance, right? Anywhere, anytime. 
There's no limits on how far your heart's desire can go. There's no limits on it. That's it. I want us to be just like absolutely so, so, so confidently sure that we are doing first things first, church. Please, first things first. Prioritize your heart, your worship. Be drawn in to love that we are ever growing in our zeal, our hunger, our passion, our affection, the love of our life, our love of our life, you guys. So that's it. That is lesson number three. What should you do to participate in God's plan? Maintain a heart that pursues God. That's it. That's your part. He'll do the rest. He'll make sure that there is a clear path to your destiny. If you keep your heart in worship, in love and adoration. Okay. Huh? Yes. Okay, we will. Yes. All right. Fourth and last lesson. God has unusual training methods. God has unusual training methods, right? Here's the deal, guys. God's training for David, it was out in the waiting. It was in the waiting. He had, it was just purely this assignment to go take care of the sheep for your family. The lowest job, the lowliest job, go out. And here's what God did. God just allowed David, listen, you take care of the sheep. You keep the sheep. You do what you're supposed to do. And then in the next, it's like that wind changes. And then he's called and anointed. Like it's, it's amazing. He's not found at the like royal school of, what's a good royal school? I don't know. School for gifted youngsters, right? Not with Professor Xavier. No Jedi training under the master. He was no, he wasn't a princess. He wasn't an understudy. No, he was just where God put him in the waiting, in the waiting with the sheep. And in that place where he was, was out where he was supposed to be, he learned how to rely on God's protection in danger, didn't he? He learned on what he learned from what it's like. This was a training, how to take care of sheep so that you know what it's like to be shepherded by God. Thank you, Psalm 23. That came from those days just out uh, under the stars in nature, in awe of what God had made his heart open, his heart available, could hear who God was and what he was doing. That's where he was. That's where he came from when he was called and anointed. So listen, guys, there is no mundane job that God can't use for your training. There's no waiting season that God isn't already using for your training. In the, in the meantime, I think we spend a lot of time in the waiting training period. Just from my perspective, it is a lot of time in the waiting and training. So waiting time is training time. And it may, I know, I get it. It may seem wasteful, but it is so purpose, purposeful. He uses your everyday life, guys, as training. He uses it. I promise there's not one wasted minute, not one wasted minute. And even after David is anointed, after the story, the next chapter, we find out that David is he's back with the sheep. He was going back and forth to play music for Saul to the sheep. He was just back doing what dad needed him to do. He didn't, he didn't. He didn't get Saul off the throne. We know this, right? He distrusted God with the waiting time and the training time. So here's the deal. I want you to take heart in the waiting. Where are you waiting? What feels slow and changing or coming? What prayer are you like? Okay, I guess I'm just going to keep praying this. I don't, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to keep praying this right there where you are waiting. God is preparing you for your calling. Right there in the waiting. That's what he is doing. That's what we see in David's life. So here's it. That's lesson four. God uses your everyday life as training grounds for your destiny. He does. I'm so sure of it. I'm so confident of it. All right. So 
in all the unknowns <laughs> about our calling and our wonderings and how do we know for sure, can I just hit these four lessons one more time? Here we go. Number one, God is in charge and works beyond the circumstances in your life to bring about his plans. Thank you, God. Lesson two, God's plans overcome any unlikeliness on your part. Lesson three, what should you do to participate in God's plan? Yes. Okay. And lesson four, God uses your everyday life as training grounds for your destiny. So here's the deal. This is why this is important. You guys, I, I know, I know I've heard the spirit say that your destiny is more than, you know, it is more than, you know, that your life carries this weightiness of the glory of God and that God is in the middle of his redemptive, restorative work on this earth. Like, hey, step back. Let's just take the Israel perspective for just a moment when it seemed like disaster. No, God was directing something and he is today that he is still at work in the middle of the mess. He is still at work where we think the disaster dominoes have fallen. God is still at work. You guys, he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And he is faithful to the ones who love him, who have set their heart on him, who are there. It's like he, I can't, he will not, he cannot not finish his story. He can't not finish his story for his church, for his world, for humanity. I know this. I know with everything that I have, that there is a determined and appointed finish line, guys. There is, there is. And this is not a time for distraction. It is a time for anointing. It is a time to carry the anointing of God. And so what I want us to do in these last moments of ministry time, we're going to stand up and I'm going to pray for you. And what I want us to do, I really felt really specifically that the Holy Spirit um, had that there has for us today, um, this provision of anointing oil. And we see in the story that Samuel anointed David, and that's what allowed him to rule and reign for God. Right. And in the same way, he has an anointing for you and for your life. For however he has called you to rule and reign on this earth, it comes down to the anointing of the spirit, right? That he provides, he calls you to something that's way beyond you. And then he provides the spirit, which actually accomplishes what he's called you to do. It's so simple. It's so simple. Does that feel simple? Feel simple to me. Yeah. So I feel like he wants to just stir up, remind you of the anointing on your life to go do the things he's called you to do to fulfill your destiny and that he's just going to pour out, you know, just the spirit on you again. And so I know I come standing before you, I get to come even to the stage to preaching. And I'm like, it's not about, it's not about me. It's about, it's about your spirit. It's about your anointing that he promised. He promised in second Corinthians. He says, listen, he anointed us. He set the seal on us. It's just a guarantee. It's just a little bit, a little glimpse, a little down payment of what's coming, what he's going to fulfill, what he's going to finish. So let's just stir up the deposit today. Okay. So why don't we stand up and that's the expectation we're just going to have together in the rest of this time. All right. So this is nothing. This is not a formula. It's, you know, just a casual moment (laughs) before a good God who calls, who has good plans and is so good to provide the anointing to do the things that he has in mind for us to do. And so if you can just get your heart in a place that is ready to receive 
what God wants to pour out. And I just see the Father. I just see it. I see he has this like full cup this morning. And he's so delighted to pour out on us. When we come hungry and we come ready, we come empty. We come empty. And really what we're emptying ourselves up, guys, is our fear. We're emptying ourselves of um, the need to control or um, have our outcomes, you know, uh, fulfilled. And so, God, here we are just as your people. You said kings and priests. Guys, he's saying over you, kings kings and priests. And so we step into that identity today. I just feel that church so clearly. God's saying, yeah, it's the kingdom. Here, just, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That I have appointed you and now I anoint you. God, I thank you for the appointments of us as your treasured possession, the appointments that you have for us. I thank you for the the weight of the calling on these ones in this room. And so just if you just could get in a posture to receive and just I do feel like God is just pouring out over us, pouring out. And so for some of you, it's going to look like creativity. For some of you, it's going to look like an answer, like a a wise answer, wisdom that actually comes from God. Some of you, it's influenced by in, um, just not in a worldly way that the world uses that word. It's way more glorious. Some of you, it's like this, um, it truly is um, the ability to walk people into the kingdom because of favor, because of anointing. Some of you, the anointing, God's just generous with his, his words that flow through you, that bring like a comfort, that bring a settling, 